Hey everybody, it's Terrell Cummings. This is episode 29 of the Always Relevant Podcast. And day that I'll be on the show today discussing the NFL Draft, his first ever virtual NFL Draft. Um, so it was interesting, we'll get opinions on that and see how everything went. Uh, we're going to talk about the documentary of the Chicago Bulls' final uh, championship of their second three-peat uh, called The Last Dance, episodes one and two. And then rapid fire, we're going to talk about Gronk joining, uh, coming out of retirement to join Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady having multiple issues down in Tampa Bay. It's other NFL teams not liking it. Percy Harvin looking to make a comeback. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets signing a couple players looking to make a championship run for next year. And lots of other things to come on the podcast. So we're excited for it. We hope you are too. And here we go. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, this is episode 29 of Always Relevant Podcast. This is Terrell Cummings, your one host. We've got Dane Demay on the, on the line, the, our other host on the show today. Dane, what's going on, dude? How's it going? Oh, man, I'm telling you, is Jordan hysteria not at an all-time high right now? It's pure craziness, pure craziness. And the millennials have zero idea about him because they've never watched him play uh, live. And so they're just jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Now, I you, mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you think he's some kind of mythological character at some point at the right, right now? Right now, you know what's funny? Even my son, even Caden, is like, hey, tra- hey, not tra- hey, dad, look, Michael Jordan. You know, only well, mostly because he watched Space Jam, but <laughs> and I was telling Jordan was probably uh, the best ever. So he's been seeing Jordan. He's been uh, he's been looking up uh, YouTube videos of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Like those are probably his three players I hear him talk about the most. So it's funny. And you know the other athlete I hear him talking about all the time, and you'll be happy about this, is OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. So, <laughs> well, let's put that on hold. We'll see if I'm happy by the end of next year, or like halfway into this year, I should say. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm hesitant. I'm hesitantly optimistic on the OBJ situation here this year, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll we'll find out about that here really soon. So, um, I guess overall, I'm gonna go ahead and I'll I'll lead this off. Ask myself this question: How are you, and how are you really? So, how am I overall? I'm doing okay. I was a little bit tired this past week with school. Uh, it was a heavy lift, lots of reading, lots of trying to memorize definitions, which I hate doing when it comes to reading, but, uh, had a pretty big quiz, came out on top in financial accounting. So holding it down, uh, that's an accelerated course. So I'm officially halfway through that, uh, getting ready to take the final. Unfortunately, the final is on my birthday at 7 PM. So that's gonna be a little bit rough, uh, on, on, on the eighth. And I could push that back to taking it Sunday morning, but that Sunday, that Sunday is mother's day. So, you know, I'm not really going to take it on Mother's Day either. So it looks like I'll be uh, hanging out, taking that test, potentially with the adult beverage on my birthday. So, um, but overall, no, I'm good. No complaints. I'm tired right now because we got this morning, watched the kids. We went for a walk around the neighborhood and I was uh, playing baseball in the front yard with Caden. So he, you know, he always wants to play sports outside, never wants to stop. Then I went to Home Depot and got a bunch of bags of mulch and topsoil for the yard because Elena was ready to do some yard work. So 
that's what she's doing right now because I can't stand yard work. But I the, lug the mulch all around the yard and put it where she wanted. So, got to hustle down here to do this podcast. So, I'm a little tired, but it's a good day. And uh, that's my mood. That's how I am really. Tired, but good. So, Dan, what about you? How are you? How are you really? I'm doing pretty good, you know. Waiting for this weather weather to break. Uh, get that patio weather. Although it looks like the only patio is going to be on my patio. Uh, <laughs> you know what? But how am I really? I'm going to tell you. I miss the bar. I really do. This is probably the longest I haven't been to a bar since I don't know. Since I was probably 21. <laughs> it's been a while now. At this point. <laughs> Maybe even younger than that, but we won't get into that. Right, uh, right. You know, like I miss being in the bar and sit, standing around, you know, talking with everybody, knowing I'm around four people telling me they used to run a sub four, 440. Uh, <laughs> all that kind of good stuff, you know, that you miss out now that you can't go out and uh, mingle with the public anymore. But, you know, other than that, I'm doing all right. Doing all right, man. At least we had the NFL draft. I know we're about to dive into that. So I'm a little excited about that. But yeah, yeah, not too bad. I got you. I got you. No, I, you know, I'm with you. You know, like I haven't really gone to bars too much, you know, in the recent months or whatever. So I'm kind of, like I said, this is, this life still is kind of normal to me a little bit. But uh, I understand that, you know, if you're, if you're normally going out a little bit and, you know, you're definitely not. It's not the norm that's going on right now. You're not able to socialize with people like you could. You know, it's just not the thing, not the same. Things are different. So uh, I understand how that can be tough. Oh, man. I haven't had a chicken wing and celery and blue cheese in weeks. It's got to be a record. Dude, DoorDash it. Just do it. I, <laughs> uh, I know. Just, <laughs> I know. I, I don't know what it is. I, I can't bring myself to do it. I don't know. Or just call it in and go pick it up. It was fine. It works just now, the same. They don't, they don't taste the same at home. You have to actually be at the bar, sitting at the pool, right? <laughs> and the sporting events on. It's just not the same just sitting in your living room eating things. It just doesn't work. I got you. I got you. No, I understand. It's, it's all about the atmosphere. So I feel you there. I feel you there. So, all right, man. Let's let's get into it, man. NFL draft started Thursday night, and you know it's an all virtual NFL draft. Uh, you know, basically, as I do the COVID nineteen, um, you know, they didn't want to have everybody in one place. It's supposed to be in Vegas. It's crazy seeing the pictures of Las Vegas right now because the streets are basically empty, and you know, it's just it's just crazy. Out of any town that you wouldn't expect to see that, it's Vegas, and you know, they basically have shut down. They don't want to. They're trying to get out of it, but they shut down. Unfortunately, NFL draft, they couldn't have that big crowd this year there like they had hoped. But they had a virtual, and, you know, overall, the feel of it, I'll be honest with you, like it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too terrible, you know. Whenever teams were picking, you know, they had fans in there virtually on the screens, you know, booing Roger Gardell as he's going to make his pick and everything. So, you know, overall, I think it, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I know you did see some kind of technical hiccups every once in a while. You know, it's tough to do that with live TV and whatnot, but they got through it. And, um, you know, overall, I, I was not mad about it. Um, I watched the first round, you know, more, you know, more carefully than the second. But um, we figured we'll go ahead and get into it a little bit and, you know, kind of talk about the, the Bengals and the Browns and their draft so far. So what do you think about that so far, Dan? 
Well, just to talk about the draft in general, I mean, to put on an operation like that was extremely impressive. You got all these different teams with personnel in all these different locations that all have to communicate and everything. At the same time, you're broadcasting nationally. Uh, I thought it was impressive how they how well they did. I mean, I, I I really thought it could have been easily a disaster. Yeah. I mean, look how hard it is just to get a couple people on a video to be that, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just extremely impressive. I, I really think in the draft there wasn't a whole lot of shocking things this year. I mean, we'll talk about a couple of the quarterbacks since we're kind of interesting picks. But – uh you know, uh, nothing totally shocking, really, this year. Uh, no crazy trades. No, uh, not at all. The draft kind of went how I, I kind of thought it would with quarterbacks and top players. Like, the, you know, we'll get into all that. But, uh, you know, it's still always good to watch the draft. There's a lot of good players out there. Uh, obviously, the SEC is looking a little tough with 14 players picked in the first round. But, uh yeah, let's dig let's dig into it, man. What do you want to start with? Man, I figured we'll just go ahead and kick it off with the Ohio teams and the Bengals and Browns, man. So I mean obviously first overall, Bengals drafting Joe Burrow. They never wavered from it, they stuck with it. The Dolphins are trying to get him to trade that number one spot because the Dolphins wanted a quarterback. Bengals weren't having it. They see Burrow as the quarterback of the future. And I'm not mad about it. I want to see what he can do. I said they have the right people around them. So well, yeah, obviously a lot of people think very highly of Joe Burrows. The fact that Miami was even trying to get that pick from the Bengals, and I heard that they were offering maybe quite the haul is what the rumors are online. Right. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're talking about a guy who had a historic season on a historic team. Uh, he's from Athens, Ohio. I mean, this would be the equivalent of the Cavs passing up on LeBron with the first pick back in 2003. If right. the Bengals draft Joe Burrows, like they, Mike Brown probably couldn't even stay in Ohio right now. So, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, uh, you know, you just knew that was going to be the pick. I think it's a good pick. I mean, I'm worried as a Browns fan. I think, uh, I think he's the real deal. Uh, I think he has all the tools. I'm not too concerned about the hand thing. If that's the worst they got on him is his hands a little small. Like, you know, yeah. yeah. I think you've got a lot to look forward to. Hands are a little small and doesn't have elite top quarterback arm strength. That's really the, the two things that probably would go against him. But everything else I think he has he has there, has intangibles, you know, accurate quarterback. Now, no, he did benefit from having, like, the top receiving core in the country in college last year. So he can throw up some 50-50 balls and they'll go up and make them look good, make some plays for him, you know. But I think but overall, this is – yeah. Yeah, overall he's got a mind for it. He can read defenses. He can put his team in good situations. And you know, he's good at looking off safety, at least in college. Obviously, NFL's a little bit different. But I think I think he's got the, the mind upstairs to make it – to make it happen and make it work, you know. So – well, I think accuracy and decision-making are the most important things in the NFL by far. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've seen some of the analysts say that he might be by far the most accurate quarterback they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, his receivers could win 50-50 balls, but if you watch those games, particularly the playoff games, he's throwing the ball 
right on the money where only the receiver can get it. And I mean, that's, that's tough to do, particularly on fade routes and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Been, I mean, yeah, he will throw receivers open. Like you're some like, you know, like uh Mrs. Quarterback, uh, Patterson, Shea Patterson, he did not do that at all. He had to wait for the quarter to be wide or the receivers to be wide open in large windows for to even think about throwing the football. But Burrow's different. You know, he he can throw guys open, he can anticipate, and like I said, he's accurate with the ball. So I mean he's gonna go out there and make him play. So, you know, it, it's exciting. I think City of Cincinnati is exciting. It's excited for the team and you know, just kind of something different, a little bit of a change from the Andy Dalton, which Andy Dalton, he was he was all right, he was good. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's time to for the change of the guard. And I think Bengals fans are ready for it. So, Yeah, I mean, as a Browns fan, I'm not looking forward to it. I think he's going to be the real deal. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure like we talked about, not to get in total Bengals talk, but a lot of pressure on their coach this year, in my opinion. He's got to get it done. I, yeah, you know, I, I don't know I don't get it done, but I think he has to have market improvement over last year. You know, by going, going three and – you know, whatever it's going to be, three and fourteen, uh, or three and thirteen is not going to cut it. I don't think he needs to. I think he needs to be at least five hundred. Like I said, I think that he can get to what did I say nine and seven. Is that what I said? I do believe yep. that he that they did say five. that. Yeah, I said that. I stand by it. Book it. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that that it's definitely a possibility. Um, and with the draft that they've had so far, I know at least for the first three rounds with drafting Joe Burrow in the first round. Uh, T. Higgins, uh, tall ranger receiver from Clemson in the second round. You know, I'm not mad about that pick. He can stretch the field. Uh, he's that good receiver to go up for 50-50 balls. He's 6'4". He can leap. You know what I mean? He, he's a playmaker. So, I do like that. And then, then they get Logan Wilson, who's an inside linebacker from Wyoming. And, you know, he's built guy. I think he's like six. What was he, 6'4", 241, but that – that that doesn't tell you how athletic this guy is. Right, right. He's athletic. He's got has a motor. He closes on the ball well. Like he he's out there. He makes plays. He gets all over the field. And he's a former. You know, he was a safety in high school. So he has good coverage skills as well. Which is something else that the Bengals lack at linebacker in the past couple of years. So I'm excited. Well, he's to see a four down linebacker. He has the athletic ability and the size to be a four down. You know, three down, four down player. Right. Right, so I hope he can come in. I hope he can come make plays. Uh, I don't know if he'll step in immediately. I mean, with the second-round pick, I hope he can. Because, um, honestly, like the linebackers that they have there, I mean, there's nothing special or crazy. or They're not there anymore. So, um, you know, I'm all about him, you know, turning off that learning curve and hopefully, um, you know, accelerating quickly on it. And I'm excited to see what happens with him. So, uh, the other two players they got they got a, a, a team Davis Gaither out of Appalachian State in the fourth round at an outside linebacker. I haven't watched him play. I don't really know much about him, um, but he you know. is uh, he's very athletic. Also, he's six two. He's two twenty four. Yeah, uh, he's an athletic player. I I think uh, you know now you're starting to reach a little bit. I mean, this is fourth round. Nothing's guaranteed. Well, nobody's guaranteed, but. Uh, you know, he's got a good motor, they said. Uh, I don't know if he can take on guys at that size. I mean, that's pretty lean for a line outside linebacker, but not really for today's NFL. I mean, speed's yeah. more you got to cover people. He'll probably be able to pass rush because he has some pretty good speed. Uh, we'll yeah. see. 
No, I understand. Like I said, he's not the biggest guy out there playing outside linebacker, but, you know, I think he will be better in coverage. And in today's NFL, it seems like more teams are trying to, to spread it out. You know, you have teams that, like, you know, the Ravens that are running the zone read. So, to try to, to try to keep up with, like, a Lamar Jackson or whatever. So, I mean, it's going to be tough. Uh, but he, he's number five and is ranked number five for his position rank overall. So, um, that's not too bad. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to see him. And I'm going to Apple actually State on the come up. You know, since they jumped to the FBS division, the Bulls, uh, Bulls subdivision. So um, it'll be interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. And then lastly, they got uh, this dude out of Notre Dame. Like I said, he's defensive end, 6'4", 268. I don't think he's anything crazy or special, but, you know, maybe it's just depth on the D-line more than anything. And, you know, the Bengals get back to that D-line rotation that they had when they had one of the top defenses in, in the NFL. Yeah, and I'm looking at this, and this uh, Kareem wasn't ranked very high on the defensive end position, so this might be a reach. I mean, he's got good size, but when I read, you know, on some on like you know this particular draft yeah. analysis, his lack of lateral quickness and closing burst are concerning. Well, you know, as someone who played DN, that's probably two of the most important things you got to have. So right. right. Maybe, he did play at Notre Dame. He did play on a good team with good coaching. You know, every, uh, you st- what do you call it? You know, the combine obviously doesn't, you know, mean you can play football. Yes. You know, maybe he's a right. player. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's what I think of. It's like maybe he doesn't have the combine numbers, but maybe on the field they say he's good at setting the edge. You know, you look at the defense fans that can do that, set the edge, you know, help keep, you know, the linemen out of the face of the linebackers as far as doing that. You know, maybe he has a motor. Um, like I say, he'll, hopefully he'll be in there for the rotation, and, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, he doesn't have, like, the superstar stats. Um, but, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a reach, but maybe they saw something in them that they liked. I don't know. Um, well, but, for Cincinnati, I think they addressed their needs. They, you know, right. they obviously were done with Dalton, and uh, getting Burrow obviously is huge. Right. You know, we'll see. I think he's uh, – I think a lot of promise there. And let's face it, the defense was awful last year. A lot of it was the linebackers. They spent those next two picks on linebackers that they obviously think can help them now because they definitely need linebacker help now. Right. Uh, I mean, well, they got the receiver, obviously, yeah, T. T Higgins, who I think is definitely going to help Burroughs, particularly if A.J. Green doesn't want to play. Then they got the two linebackers, and I think think they filled needs. I, I think they had a good draft. Yeah, no, I, I think so, too. But so I'm not mad so far. I know our friend Lee Texas, and he was saying that, you know, surprisingly he's he's not mad at this draft. And I'm not either. You know, as a Bengals fan, I'm excited for the first time in a while as far as their draft picks. Um, hopefully their last year's top draft pick, Jonah Williams, will be back this year at, uh, at offensive tackle. And um, like I said, hopefully they have a better scheme on defense this year and they can – you know, be more different difference makers on the field. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yep. So then we go on to the Browns here a little bit. Yeah, that's right. You know, in-state rivals, my team. And I got to tell you, man, I know people like the pick. So they drafted Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama. You know he plays at Alabama. You know he plays at the SEC level. You know he's has discipline and was coached by Saban and all that kind of stuff. But he was a right tackle his whole career, and they drafted him to play left tackle. 
And I don't know why the Browns have to do this. They always draft a player and then change his position at the highest level of, of the profession, right? Right. I, I, it's hard enough to play in the NFL as it is. Now, people are saying it's no big deal to switch sides. It is, it is a difference. It's a huge difference. If you're used to playing, like, you know, I play defensive end, for instance. Like, when you're used to lining up, on the left side and you got to line up on the right side. Now it changes your moves. It changes the way you come off the line. Uh, you know, I mean, you might not be quite as quick in the stance coming out this way or that way. You know what I mean? Cause you've been right. doing it the other right. way for so long. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping the analysts are right. They think he's the real deal. Uh, I have concerns. I, Play, I mean, I'm hearing the argument because Tua was left-handed. He was playing the left side, whatever. But, uh, I mean, the right side. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, uh, well, plus, well and plus, Jonah Williams last year, the year before was starting on the left side. So, I mean, what can you do about that? Yep. So, the Browns went real heavy on SEC players. Their next pick, they drafted Grant Delpit, you know, as a safety out of LSU. And He's 6'3", 213 pounds. He Duke looks like play. modern day safety. Yeah. Duke can play. He's a Thor. I think he's a Thor printer, wasn't he? If not, he was a finalist and he was hurt for part of the season. But dude's legit. And he, I, I, told, I think that's a good thing. He actually told Mary Kay of the Cleveland Point dealer, I believe it was, or one of those writers from Cleveland, mm-hmm. that the next something like the next writer that asked me why I missed so many tackles, I'm going to show him how I can tackle or something like that. Or <laughs> <laughs> so supposedly he's playing on a sprained ankle and that's why he was missing tackles. I don't know. I mean, everybody had him pegged for Antoine Winfield who went the very next pick to uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. You know, he don't have the size that this guy does. Like, if you stand them side by side, Grant Delpit looks a lot more impressive physically. And so I can see why the Browns went that direction, even though Winfield's a player. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, Then their next pick, Jordan Elliott out of Missouri, 6'4", 302 pounds, defensive tackle. They definitely need some help at defensive tackle. So if this guy can be a rotational player, I think that's – I think that's good. I mean, let's face it, the Browns' defense was awful last year. It was hard to watch. Uh, they get just got destroyed a lot of times. Uh, then we got Jacob Phillips. They drafted another LSU guy, inside linebacker. He's 6'3", 229. It's kind of light for an inside linebacker. Uh, but, you know, he's at LSU. He can play, but I just, uh, LSU's defense was terrible this year. And I'm not particularly sure why that was because there's talent on the field, but right. What right. Do you think yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I agree hundred percent. Like LSU's defense got, you know, they were definitely the weak link and they should probably be happy that they were putting up 40, 50 points a game. Uh, as far as that, cause they knew that they had to outscore teams. Um, I think they showed up at times, but, yeah, overall, they weren't a dominating defense by any means, whether it's because of injuries or scheme or whatever it was, I don't know. Because uh, you think they would be better because they've always had a solid defense and they always have athletes everywhere in every position on the field. And obviously these athletes are getting drafted in the NFL, so what's not translating, you know? To- well, yeah, so, you know, it's funny because, you know, I always say Florida and LSU always have, like, the best defenses in the nation. 
They stop right. everybody, but they can never score because they had no coaching on the offensive side. Right. That's still the case with Florida. LSU finally got a quarterback and some coaching, and look what happens when a school like that can actually get some offensive coaching and find a quarterback. But the LSU defense, it was it was not good this year. I mean, Burrow and that offense really masked the fact that it was probably the worst LSU defense in years, right? Well, you got, you got to remember in the beginning of the, early in the season that, you know, Texas put up like 40-plus points against them, you know, and Texas wasn't that good this year. Texas A&M, right? Was it Texas? Yeah, it was no, Texas. It was- they were terrible, yeah. So, so. I don't know. Um, and then the final pick I see so far, the Browns, I know they've already signed a ton of tight ends, so I guess you might as well draft one, too. They got Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic. I like his speed at the size of 6'5", 243. Uh, he did have a couple drops against Ohio State in the game I seen. You know, you could pull up some video. Uh, but uh, athletically – and with the size, he fits the mold. I guess it's worth taking a flyer on him at this point. Right, right. Oh, I'm, I'm with you there, man. So, I mean, Bengals, Browns overall. I mean, how, are, are you are you happy with their draft, or are you kind of so so on the edge and and kind of waiting to see how it goes? I think I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, you know, they're going to rename the Cleveland Browns the LSU North the way this thing's going. But uh, yeah, man, they, they are about the SEC, SEC teams. Um, yeah. But, you know, y'all got Baker Mayfield representing that Big 12 and those Big 12 op- offenses. So, <laughs> yeah, Big 12 offenses that play against no defenses. I mean, even they're even calling it on TV now, seven on seven football, you know, just chucking the ball over the place. Baker's got to show me something this year, you know. So, we'll yeah. see what happens. It's his third coaching staff, fourth, whatever the heck it's going to be. Actually, fourth, right? You know, I think you, so. you got Williams, then you had. Uh, kitchens, and now yeah, you have kitchens. Stefanski. Yeah, so he's on his fourth coach in three years, which is typical that's, Cleveland football. That's tough. That's yeah, tough. yeah. I don't even want to get into all that madness, but uh, right, you know, because we're talking about the draft, and I'm trying to keep my blood pressure down. <laughs> uh, we we got a yeah. So I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with the draft. I particularly I. I guess all the tackles were close. I really liked Tristan Wharfs from Iowa. He plays in the cold. He played in Iowa's pro-style system. He is a left tackle. I think his ceiling's high. He had the fastest 40 out of the top. Yeah, you see that? Hey, dude was moving. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why he fell all the way. I I know they like the size and length of the Georgia tackle that went number five overall, which I thought was too high. And which I thought was crazy that the Giants went that way because they still have Nate Solder under that massive contract they signed him to from the Patriots two or three years ago. But he's garbage. You can't block. So I guess they're pretty much just giving up on him. Right. Uh, you got to think you take a tackle fifth overall, he has to play. See, my thing is you have to – if you're drafting the first round, you have to pick a guy who's going to come in now. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here when we go into the notable picks. But, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, overall, with the, I, I really like the Bengals draft. I mean, they got their quarterback. And they got players that they and need positions. And I think the Browns did too. So, I'd say right now they both did well. No, yeah, that's I agree. You know, it's, it's surprising. I know one team I haven't really heard anything about is the Steelers and AFC North um, overall. But I think the Bengals and the Browns, you know, they had a good draft. And – Hopefully they can develop their players. You know, I'm not sure there's, you know, newer coaching staffs in both in both places. And 
I'll just be interested to see the results for sure. So, um, yeah, the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers didn't even have a first pick because they traded to get Minka Fitzpatrick, but that was obviously worth it. Yeah, that dude's a difference maker. You know, a lot of times I always wonder about, um, I always wonder about um, players from Alabama because I feel like Nick Saban gets everything you can out of them. So, like, their ceiling is what it – I mean, the talent that you see in college is all it is. You know, like, Nate Fitzpatrick, I think he's he's different. And I'm, I'm sure there's a couple other players here and there, but a lot of, I feel like a lot of players in Alabama, you know, you just don't really hear about too often. Or, you know, they kind of – they might be all right players in the NFL, but they don't stand out anymore because Nick Saban got everything he could out of them when they were in college. So, but that's just my opinion. I could be wrong on that. Well, he a lot of the running backs have gave it a bad name. Ingram was a big impact running back that's done well in the NFL, but obviously people always look to what, Trent Williams. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, for the Browns, yeah, yeah, Richardson, I mean, yeah. So Mark Mark Ingram, though, like I see him, and he doesn't look like he's anything special when he's running the ball. You know what I mean? He just doesn't. He, he you know, he's a grinder, and you know, I, I get it, but I've never. I thought he benefited from having like Alabama's offensive line when he was there and everything. And he just happened to score a lot of touchdowns when he was in college. But I never thought he was overly impressive, like athletically, size wise, skill wise. I don't know. I was, I mean, he won the Heisman. I can't say anything about that. And he's still in the league, so I can't say anything about it either. So he's doing something right. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, like I said, but Alabama gets them picked. They had four first-rounders this year, and LSU had five first-rounders. I mean, if you look at the draft, I really think the top of college football is really starting to separate itself from the rest. And I think Michigan's falling behind. Michigan's had three players drafted, one in the first round. Ohio State had two of the first three picks and technically three of the first three picks if you count the fact that Burroughs was there and left. So, right, you know, it's, right. uh, the disparity is getting pretty yeah pretty I mean, between Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, and Alabama and everybody else. Nah, I agree. I'll be interested, I'll be interested to see, like, if it changes with uh, Dan Mullen down at Florida and see if we can get more, more kids in there. Um, I hate to see that the U has dropped off and haven't been able to bounce back yet. And I don't know, that's like a facilities thing and whatever, like their facilities are behind everybody. But I feel like that the U should be, you know, just based on its tradition, the fact that its players are willing to come back to the program and put into the program and everything like that, I would think that the U should be better than what they are. And that's tough. Same no, no, Florida State. No, Florida no. State has talent, and it's just they haven't been able to play. They just need to be coached up better. Hey, nobody cares about the U anymore. U hasn't been relative relevant since Ohio State beat them back in 2002 in the national championship game. No, I, uh, I agree. I agree, but that's just tough. With I mean, that's a tough drop off. You know, ever since Butch Davis left, it hasn't worked. Oh, well, I mean, that guy uh, they hired afterwards. I can't remember his name. That was Larry. Larry. Larry Coker. Yeah, he was there for one of their wins, you know, but Butch Davis even said he knew he was, you know, he knew that team could win. But, you know, they, they, I heard they have facility problems. You hear a lot about that. They play in the ACC. Nobody cares about the ACC in terms of football. Same with Florida State. They're irrelevant. 
They're poorly coached. You see a lot of talent on the field, but for some reason the coaching's just been bad. But they look at look at look at Matt Brown at North Carolina. Like how fast he's turning that around out there. Dude, you know the mean? football's coaching, man. Football is coaching and recruiting, particularly in college football, it's recruiting. I mean, uh, it's just like like we talk about all the time. I could go coach the uh Clippers right now. No offense to Doc Rivers, but I'll go coach Clippers right now and win a bunch of games. Like the football is a different kind of sport. You got to be able to coach, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, so, no, I I agree. I agree there for sure. So we'll see. All yeah, right. So, yeah. So we had what uh, ten LSU players picked overall, which is uh is crazy. crazy. Seven yeah. Ohio State players overall, and we've had three Michigan players picked. Yeah, man. I don't know. I can't really say much about it. You know, they'd have a lot of players come out. Their seniors that they had weren't anything spectacular. Um, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess we wanted to go in here. We're gonna we're gonna go on some notable draft picks. You know, the big names, the stars. You know, everybody can talk about the draft on hours on end. Everybody does that. But we'd like to talk about some of the big names. So yeah. I, I like to see what do you think? Chase Young, number two to the Redskins, no brainer, right? No brainer. Oh yeah, no, that dude is I think he's the best player in the draft. He's the I think he has the highest potential of becoming like a Hall of Famer. I think dude's a difference maker on the field. He's good. I have respect for him. I know he went to Ohio State and everything, but dude's a baller. And oh, I yeah. he's gonna be he's gonna be ridiculous in the NFL for sure. I mean, he's enormous. He's another guy. I'll tell you what. It'd be. Can you imagine how good the University of Maryland could be if it kept any of its players? It's robbed blind of all that talent. I mean, yeah, my right there in the DC school, area. Yeah, my brother coached high school football out there, so I go out when I get a chance to visit Maryland and watch those big high schools play because he coached one of the big, their equivalent of D one out there in Maryland, and you should just see the players on the field. It's crazy. Like, you know, he, you know, Chase Young went to DeMatha. DeMatha is always stacked. If Maryland could just keep the players on DeMatha, right? <laughs> right. Seriously. It would be much better. I mean, if I was the Maryland head scout, I'd just drive down the road and I would be at every DeMatha game talking to them kids every day. But not to get off topic there, we're going to keep going on with the draft. But Maryland, if you can keep your players, it'd be amazing what you could do. That's true. I agree 100%. There's talent for sure in that area. It's crazy. The, the talent's crazy, and you just you know, and it goes to Ohio State and Penn State. So, <laughs> and in the SEC. So let's talk about you know we got Jeff Akuda. He went to the Lions. No surprise there. Uh, he's a little slower than I thought. So we'll see. I mean, he ran a four four eight's not slow, but it's slow for a corner for the number three overall pick. What do you think? Yeah, I think for top end speed, I think it's definitely a little bit slow. But I didn't see his like his other agility drills. So maybe he's he's good at um, you know changing direction and everything like that. Maybe he's physical at the line of scrimmage. I know they did play a lot of man coverage with him. Um, so I think he's pro ready in that aspect where a lot of college teams don't do that. They play more zone that way they can uh, kind of hide the weaknesses of a lot of those cornerbacks that aren't physical enough to play man. Because I think in order to play man coverage, you're going to have to get up there and bump and run on somebody. You can't just play three yards off the ball and man up on somebody because I think they'll just athletically get, get taken to the woodshed in college. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think for them it was a good draft pick. They needed to pick him because uh, was Darius Slay went to Buffalo, 
or whatever. He went to the Eagles. Oh, I'm sorry, Eagles. Yep. Yeah, the Eagles. And he was their he was their top defensive back. So I mean, they needed that was a need for them for sure. And um, he's top he's top player, uh, top DB, and you know, coming out. So I think it was a good draft by them. And I think maybe he's just a player. Some guys stats don't aren't their thing, but he can just go out and play. So. All right, so let's go to this one. A little controversial, bigger boom prospect. Dolphins took two at number five overall. What do you think? Man, I think if it works, I think it'd be huge. You know what I'm saying? Like, a person I do feel bad for is Josh Rosen because he's had terrible up with terms of coaching and different coaching staffs and just different coordinators every year he's been in the league. So I think he could be decent, but I think he's just his, his start to his NFL career has been horrible. Um Tua though, like he uh he's a real deal. He's super accurate. He can make the he can throw the deep ball, he can make all the throws. You know, yes, he had the the hip injury, but luckily for him, he didn't use his legs um as his main weapon. His main weapon is to play from the pocket and you know, drop downs from the pocket and make plays from the pocket. And he has it upstairs, you know. I think he's good, he's smart, I think he's a leader. So if he can overcome the hip injury, which if you think about it for, for football purposes, a hip injury is probably about between that and a back injury is probably two of the worst injuries you can get playing football because you use your hips every play, whatever position you're playing, you're using your hips, no matter what. So I don't know what kind of, you know, I guess collateral damage is going to happen from this hip injury. Plus all his other injuries, you know, he was injury prone when he played Alabama. He had uh, quite a few surgeries. Uh, overall, couldn't really stay healthy. I don't know why that is. Maybe he held the ball too long when he was playing. I don't know. But if he can stay healthy, I think he'd be a great player. I think him and Burrow will be right there, you know, as far as their talent. Well, you brought up a good point. If you watch the tape, he does hold on to the ball too long. When he got hurt this year on that play, he held on to the ball too long in a meaningless yeah. game. He should have uh, thrown it away. should have thrown it away. Yeah. Didn't, it, would have, it wouldn't have been that issue at all. Yeah, so he's got to he's got to get rid of the ball. I, I I like him. I mean, he's a big time player. I mean, no one will ever forget him coming off the bench as a freshman and winning that national championship game. That was just crazy. That's like, you know, just unheard of. You right. know, uh, I think it's a high risk pick. I am a little concerned. I know that test doesn't mean a whole lot, but his test score was like a thirteen, which is you know you get a thirteen for spelling your name right. That was a little concerning. Right. Uh, in, in the NFL, you got to know your stuff. And I don't know, like, I like I took the Wonderlick test. I never knew – I never heard what my score was. And it, I can tell you, though, from the problems, that the problems weren't overly hard, but you had to, you had to like, work your way through them, like, quickly. You know what I mean? So, I guess it makes sense how it could translate to NFL. Like to, you have to make reads quickly on the fly and know what situation puts your team in, especially as a quarterback. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little concerning as far as doing that, but I don't know. I heard that was just his first score. I heard the, the second time he took it, he got like a 19 or something like that, which isn't great, but it's not a 13 by any means. It's a little more yeah. respectful. You know? So I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Tua, I think if the offense is set up for him, I like what Flores is doing in Miami. I think their draft's been good. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, then we got the next one. I, I think me and you are kind of in agreement on this. The Chargers taking Justin Herbert at number six. I think it's a reach, a little risky. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I always take my chance of trying to get Cam Newton there. 
<laughs> wow. I don't know if I'd have done that, but uh, uh, I think maybe, we're in agreement. Herbert's a reach. I think I think he's a reach, especially top you know top ten. I think it's a little crazy. He looks the part. I mean, he's a big dude. It has good arm strength. Has you know good speed. You know nothing crazy. Six six, two hundred thirty six pounds. You know he looks like he should be an NFL quarterback. But I just uh, to me just doesn't pass the eye test. And you know maybe I'm wrong. That's maybe that's why I'm not an NFL scout. That's why I'm not an NFL GM, but that's just me. I think they should have gone a different route when it comes to quarterback. Well, like some people have said, and I completely agree from watching a lot of the games and some of the tape, he has moments where he's like, wow, that's the dude right there. And then there's moments where like, why did he just throw that football? So he's lost his big games like to Auburn. Uh, you know, they won this, you know, they won some big games in the uh, Pac-12, which is a joke. It's right behind the Big 12 as a joke right now. And that's what NFL scouts, I think, truly believe about the Pac-12 defenses right now. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, he's got the physical ability and, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, he, he has all the tools. He just needs to put it together, you know, could be, but, you know, like Jameis Winston had all the tools, too. But he can't figure out how to. Uh, Jameis Winston didn't look like this guy. I mean, this no, no, dude, no, no, no. This dude, yeah. he's put together. I mean, he looks. I mean, he looks like a more put together Brady Quinn out there. Yeah. You know what I mean, I mean he, he's 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 the specimen for sure. But um, yeah, no, I mean, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't, I just don't have faith in the pick at all. So the next one I wanted to just uh, bring up is Isaiah Simmons. A lot of people think the best defensive player in the draft. Freak athlete goes to the Cardinals. What do you think about that? I, I think, I mean, I was, I thought that they would go for offensive linemen to try to protect um, Kyler Murray, to be honest with you. But I mean, he was probably at the time the best player that was available. And so I'm sure that's what they went with as far as, as far as doing that. So I'm not mad with pick, you know, try to help bolster that defense. He can play like seven positions, basically. You can put him anywhere in a Swiss Army knife on defense. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that too? Not the best player. Chase Young's the best player, but I, he's definitely a second best talent. They thought. Oh yeah, no, I just, I just, meant, I meant best player available. Yeah, available, yeah, not overall. Yeah. So, and um, I, I, as a side note, did you happen to see Cliff Kingsbury's crib in the video? Yeah. See that? <laughs> ah, serious, dude. That looked like some kind of like I don't know what that was. I know I want it, yeah, <laughs> and I hey, made a lot of money. <laughs> it was impressive, man. It was impressive, you know, for him being a college coach, the NFL coach. Like he's got some, he's got some paper for sure. And that house, yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. So, and then let's see who else. Okay, I want to bring this one up because I think this was the worst pick of the draft by far. Packers take Jordan Love number 26 after just playing in the NFC championship game. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I've, I've never watched Jordan Love play. I don't know what the big deal is about him. Um, I still don't know what the big deal is about him. I haven't really followed him closely, so I can't say anything for sure. Um, I was surprised that he, he was getting the recognition that he did. Um I don't really know what's special about him. And I'm surprised the Packers took him, especially with them having Aaron Rodgers, you know, and he's Rodgers is only, what, 35, 36 years old. So he has some years left. And I just don't think they needed to draft a quarterback, you know, unless they're looking to move Rodgers and really 
rebuild and move forward within the next year or so and let these guys sit this coming year. But I don't know. Well, he played at Utah State. I know he's got the tools. He's 6'4", big dude, big arm. They said he can make all the throws. But he had three different offensive coordinators in college. But I think his best year was his first year starting. He didn't have a great year this this last year. Uh, you know, if, if I thought he was Aaron Rodgers and that kind of player, I, I could possibly agree with this pick. But I think this is a major reach. Uh, I, I just – I don't get it. I, I'm picking – if I'm the Packers, I'm taking the best player available at 26 so I can get back into the playoffs and get somebody who can help me. Don't understand this one. Maybe they see something we're not seeing. I'm not a fan of this guy's game from watching the tape, but we'll see what happens. Right. No, I, I agree. I, I was just, I was surprised for sure. Um I don't know. I just don't see what's special about him. But they did it. They have to make their bed and lay in it. So that is what it is. Um, other players, man, uh, like I said, there's some quality players on the list. Like I said, you know, D-Tackle from Auburn, that was up there. So, uh, what's his name? Derek Brown. You know, obviously you talked about C.J. Henderson last week being a pretty solid cornerback, you know, got drafted by Jacksonville. Um, what I do want to say is the athletic ability of Henry Ruggs is crazy. Because, like I said, he ran a 4-2-7-40 and was disappointed in it. You see his high school highlights <laughs> playing basketball. He's 5'11", mind you, and he's ripping off on everybody, like dunking on whoever's in the way. Doesn't care how big they are, how tall they are. He's going up over top of them. So, I'm like, dude looks like he has a 45-plus-inch vertical, which which makes sense since he runs a 4-2-7-40. But still, that's absolutely insane how athletic this dude is. And, obviously, the Raiders took him because that's what the Raiders do. They take players like that. So This is what we call God-given talent. You can't yep. coach it. You can't teach it. There ain't nothing you can do to make somebody do that unless they can do it. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't – he does run great routes. He's, uh, you know, not, probably not a – he's probably not like a student of the game like that. He's just one of those guys out there. He is out athletic, whoever's in front of him. And this is this dude. And they're special, these guys. Now, they can, if they can ever have both where they could – you know, have the good technique, have it upstairs, and have that athletic ability like a Randy Moss, then that's a scary combination. But this dude's straight athlete for sure. Yep. And then I wanted to bring up Jonathan Taylor. Uh, surprisingly to me, anyway, ran a 4.39.40 at that size. Uh, I think he can help the Colts right away. What do you think? No, nah, I agree. I think he can too. The thing is, like, do they, what do they do with the current running back? Was it Matt? You know what I mean? Because they he was um, doing pretty good, yeah. and he was he was he was a three down back. He catched the ball at the backfield a lot. Maybe they try to have a two headed monster and and go from there. Because I feel like you know you have, you bring Taylor in, he's gonna see the field. He's gonna see the field. He has to. Yeah, and I believe I believe the Colts traded with the Browns to move up to get that pick too. I believe. Yeah. So that's why the Browns had that extra third rounder. I got you. But I definitely wanted to talk about this one. I know you got some feelings on this. Jalen Hurts getting drafted by the Eagles in the second round, a little shocking. Yeah, I was I was definitely surprised. Like my my dad actually asked me about Jalen Hurts like the morning of the second round. And I was like, Yeah, you know, like I don't think he's gonna get drafted. I think he get drafted, but I don't think he's gonna be in the early rounds. It'll probably be mid to late rounds if he does get drafted. And all of a sudden that night, 
I found out, man, he got drafted by the Eagles in the second round, which is crazy, you know. But one thing I will say about him that, you know, you don't probably hear about a lot of college athletes. So he came into Alabama and he started his freshman year and his sophomore year. And he didn't win national championships, but he took him to the national championship his freshman year. Sophomore year took him to the championship and got benched for Tua. Tua won the championship. And then the next year, Hertz was the backup, basically. He didn't complain about it. He just went to work. And that year, they got, they got the SEC championship, and Tua got hurt, and Hertz went in, won the game for him, got to the national championship, and went quietly back to the bench or whatever. And um, after that, he transferred to Oklahoma. And all of a sudden, you know, his issues he was having throwing the ball, he solved them, and he figured it out, and he was able to throw the ball all over the place. And I don't know if that's just straight coaching or what, but, you know, he put his head down, went to work, and didn't just transfer out like a lot of kids would have done. He went and graduated from Alabama in three years, did the graduate transfer um, to Oklahoma, and it's obviously paying dividends. And he was driving the second round. I think, you know, it's a good story for him. And it just, he went the route that a lot of kids wouldn't have gone. They would have just bailed once they weren't the starter anymore. Well, my thing with Jalen Hurts is like going to Oklahoma boosted his stock. I didn't think he was an NFL quarterback until uh, his year with Oklahoma. Now, generally, they're not playing any defenses, but you know, you got a real coach that, at, at, you know, Riley obviously knows what he's doing with these quarterbacks. And uh, he showed, I, I love Jalen Hurts. Guy squats 585 pounds. He's huge. I mean, he's a leader. Uh, you know, Wentz has been hurt. There's been questions about Wentz's leadership, although I think a lot of that was put to bed this year, although it's still concerning that those kind of questions were out there. Right. Uh, I, I think, unlike the Jordan Love situation, I, I mean, I don't know what the Eagles are thinking here, but because of his size and stuff and his speed, they might be able to use him like Taysom, Tyson, uh, Taysom Hill down there in New Orleans, right? Right, uh, right. You know, maybe they're thinking that, but I, I, I don't, it'll be fascinating to see what happens here. I, I'm not a huge Wentz guy, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with everybody right now. I wanted the Browns to draft Wentz when he came out of, came out of uh, college. I thought he had the tools. Uh, you know, but you you got to stay healthy, and I know some of it's bad luck, but part of playing ball is luck, and he can't stay on the field, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you. Like I said, I think he's had, he had some bad luck for sure. Um, I think if Wentz stays healthy, I think he'll be all right. But he, like I said, he just has to stay healthy. And that's that's key in the NFL because, obviously, if you're not on the field, someone else is going to take your spot. That's just how it goes. The, there's too much yeah. talent for that not to happen. So Yeah, and the last guy I wanted to bring up uh... – and then two shout-outs. I got J.K. Dobbins with the Ravens. He's a beast. He can squat like 700 pounds and runs the serious 40 and, you know, tore it up at Ohio State. What do you think about him going to the Ravens? No, I think that's a good pick by the Ravens. Now, for him, I always thought that he was slower than what he was until I saw him. I forget what game it was, and he outran everybody. And I was, man, like, that dude's seriously fast. I thought he was more like a bowling ball that was going to be more of a grinder type runner, which he can be, but I, he has that breakaway speed that I didn't know he had. And, you know, it's kind of serious, too. So, no, I think he's good. I think he's a real good player. I think he's a good pick by the Ravens. I'm sure Mark Ingram's not the happiest about it, but, 
he knows the business, how it goes. But, yeah, Diamonds and Lamar Jackson together in the backfield is going to be crazy for the Ravens, for sure. Yeah. Dobbins and uh, Jonathan Taylor were born in the wrong generation because, you know, 10, 20 years ago, running backs of that caliber would have been top five picks that yep. were out of those days. Yep. So They would have been paid, and they would have been given the ball 25, 30 times a game, been workhorses. But that's, yep. the question is, when, how long until the NFL goes to that style of football? When are they going to bring it back? Is the, everything's always cyclical. Why it's gone. Forever. But how could they not? So think about it. Like, defenses are now, they're built to stop the spread offense. And the spread offense, you know, they're trying to run it up and down the field. They're trying to tire you out. I know this is off top. We didn't discuss this before. I just thought about top of my head. But why would you not go back to grinding out the ball, grinding out the game, running the ball, you know, 25, 30 times from the running back to tire out a particular defense. And you keep, the, you keep their team off the field and you go score touchdowns that way. The I NFL know. wants excitement. They want points. They'll just keep putting in more rules to uh, hinder the defense so they get the points on the board. That's what they'll do. I think it's. I think it'd be an interesting concept. Just like the NBA, it'd be harder for the NBA to slow it down and bring back the big man, bring back the the center. You know, the back to the basket on the block center. But I think it'll be interesting to see if their team. Well, I mean, do that. What you're talking about is kind of what the Ravens did this year. I mean, they essentially ran like a wishbone with a running quarterback running the ball all the time. I mean, that's kind of what they did, I mean, in a way. Yeah, yeah, they did They did in a way. They still opened up their offense, though, to throw the ball. I mean, he still threw – you know, he had over 30 touchdowns this year, this year throwing, didn't he? I could be wrong about that. Yeah, but. I mean, but he was throwing the tight ends on play action. The run was their first option. Right. And they – Pass plays off of the run, which is old school football. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. So, All right. One shout out here. We got Adam Troutman, Dayton guy, gets drafted, 6'5, 255 pound tight end. He's going to the Saints. He's very fast. He had the fastest three cone. Uh, I think going to the Saints is a good spot for him. And my other shout out's Ben Barch, a Division three player out of St. John's, gets picked in the fourth round. Uh, good for him. You always got to show some love to the D3 dudes that get drafted. Doesn't happen often. When it does, they're usually pretty special. Probably should have been playing D3. So, good stuff there. Happy to see it. Yep. So, that's pretty much the stuff I want to talk about in the draft. Draft's always exciting. Like I said, nothing too shocking. I think we liked what the Browns and Bengals did. AFC North's going to be serious this year. Mm -hmm. Uh with Roethlisberger back and everything, with Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, coming back. Yep. Browns supposedly got their act together because you know there's talent there, and Bengals got Burroughs. I mean, it's going to be like the good old days in the 80s when all four teams were good. It's going to be like Warren Moon, Bernie Kosar, Bobby Brister, and Boomer all going at it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Hey, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. Um, obviously, the draft came up, and – it was the first time I was actually halfway excited about something sports. I know Caden was a little disappointed because he thought that the Bengals were actually playing. I'm like, not they're just drafting players. So where are the players? <laughs> He's like, where's the real game? He's like, oh, I don't want to watch this. This isn't a real game. And he, he literally walked out, <laughs> walked out of the room. I'm like, dude, bro's never get drafted. Just stay here for this. All right, so I'll stay for this. After this, I'm leaving though. <laughs> so even he wants real, real sports to come back. So um, as we all. As we all do. Yep, as we all do. So, 
man, we're talking about that for almost an hour, dude. I guess we got to hustle through these other topics, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the draft's a big deal, man. A lot to talk about always at draft time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's let's move forward. I know we're going to talk about the, the documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and their uh, last championship of their second three-peat called The Last Dance. Episodes one and two uh, premiered this past Sunday. And uh, three and four is going to come up uh, tomorrow, tomorrow evening. So uh, I watched it. You know, I liked it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. I know they're kind of doing the different backstories. So they got kind of Jordan's backstory and everything and Pippen's backstory. And um, I don't know, what are your thoughts on it so far? Uh, I really like it so far. Now, it's not exactly what I thought. Like, you thought it was just about the last season, but it really, you know, traces back, you know. I think it just – they've done a real good job of telling the story. I'm excited this week because we get the Rodman story this week and the Phil Jackson story. Right. I think those – you know, those will be interesting to see. Uh, the Jordan story is good. I mean, I forgot the fact he missed almost his whole second year being injured. I forgot about that. So, I mean, there is some stuff I'm, you know, it, it's just, I thought it's been done really well. ESPN wins. I think there was over 5 million viewers already. Right. You know, it's not the Tiger King, but, you know, it's <laughs> definitely, uh, it's definitely, brought, you know, got people back. Jordan's still winning, still winning. People are watching. Well, so, and I thought it was cool. Uh, I really, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I enjoyed it. I was say, I thought it was really cool that he was there and he's doing the interviews and you can tell he's being like really, you know, personal in the interviews and he was, he was all in. It seemed like, you know, for the first two episodes, it seemed like Jordan is hundred percent all in to do this and, you know, not definitely not half doing it at all. Um, I said, it, it was interesting, you know, even talking about how he first got to North Carolina and how the whole situation went on his final shot that won the national championship and everything like that. And how he almost didn't come out for the NF for the NBA draft, but Dean Smith, coach Dean Smith told him, Hey, I think it's best for you. To, it's time for you to go pro as far as all that. You know what I mean? So it was just interesting as far as that. And then, you know, Scotty Pippen, you know, I thought that was super interesting because, you know, his background, he wasn't even on his, his college basketball team. It was an NAI school. He was like an equipment manager. And then a couple guys, basically um, got kicked off the team for academic reasons. And he talked his way into, you know, getting a trial for a team and getting a scholarship, basically. And, but at the time, he's well, he, grew like, like, he grew like six inches, yeah. too, though, or something. He, he's only like six one, so the players, the coach are, all right, you know, he's all right, but, you know, he, he, there might be something to him, but, you know, he's 6'1". All of a sudden, like, the next year he grew like five or six inches. All of a sudden went from 6'1 to 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, and, you know, kind of became a beast there a little bit. And, um, you know, you don't see many NAI, NAI players getting drafted number five overall in the NBA draft. So you knew that he wasn't, you know, wasn't no punk at all. So, um, no, you know, what's funny too, like, it seems like the players that start off short and grow late are the ones that turn into great players because they learn how to play as a guard because they have to, right. and they get eight inches, six inches more. And then they're, you know, still have them handles and, you know, yeah. it translates well, that's like that's like Anthony Davis. He was the same way. He was a he was a, like a six two guard in high school, and all of a sudden his senior year he grew to be six ten, which is crazy. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? that's so. what I'm saying. Those guys can play, you know. So yeah. yeah, I mean the documentary was good. It definitely was interesting. 
Heck, he even had cameos by Bill Clinton and Obama in this thing. Yeah. Now, it, it's crazy. I mean, there is so much turmoil for that last year, you know. I think Jerry Krause is kind of a, a key figure in this as well, who was the GNR manager of the Bulls during their run. And, you know, him and Phil Jackson didn't get along. He wasn't going to bring Phil Jackson back. But the owner, Jerry Romsdorf, went out there. And, and by the way, spoiler, it's all over the place. You got to watch it, you know. If you're interested in watching, you would watch it. But, you know, Jerry Romsdorf went out there and, you know, told Phil, all right, you know, we're going to sign you one, a one-year deal, a, a, a salary that's, you know, compensated to what you deserve. So um, it's crazy. You know, I think Jerry Krause, he's kind of paying as a guy that had little man syndrome and, you know, he wanted to be with one with the cool kids and the cool kids kind of made fun of him all the time and everything. And, you know, he just didn't really get the respect that he wanted out of everything. So I think he wanted to blow it up after their fifth championship and start new and show that he could, build the program and build a team. Um, but I think he's, he learned, he was really good about rubbing people the wrong way. So. Yeah. I seen, he just died back in 2017. So you don't get to really see his side of the story in this documentary, which would have been fascinating. Yeah, for for sure. sure. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. So. Uh, All I, I know too, is this, this has started the massive, the, the LeBron MJ thing is raging on Twitter. Like it never has before. And I, We'll talk about this another time for sure, but uh, uh, it's, it's getting wild out there. In general, it's so hard to compare different eras. You know what I mean? Like LeBron could have played back in Jordan's era, but Jordan in this era would have probably been ridiculous. You know what I mean? But like I said, we can talk about that another time. Um, it's just different eras. It's just tough to compare for sure. We'll definitely come back to this. I definitely have some things to talk about on LeBron and this that, you know, we'll we'll get back to this maybe next week. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. So like I said it was it, it came out last Sunday. The next two episodes come out this Sunday. Like I said, you're going to see the whole thing with Dennis Rodman. Which if you haven't watched the thirty for thirty on Dennis Rodman, you need to. It is super interesting from beginning to end and how he grew up and just how messed up like the things he saw and the things he went through in life and how he was treated and everything. And, you know, he just went through a lot and it's absolutely crazy how he, how he uh, got through all of that and became the person that he is. I mean, this is not surprising, but still, I recommend that Des Rodman 30 for 30 for sure. Yeah, I do too. It's definitely a heck of a story. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Rapid fire. Uh, First of all, Gronk, coming out of retirement to join Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. What do you think about that? I think it helps Brady tremendously. I mean, that's his go-to guy. I mean, there could be three people on him, and you know, Brady knows if he throws the ball up, more than likely he's going to come down with it. Gronk's right. still in his prime, right? He's still only 29-30. This is a huge pickup for Tampa if, he, if he's truly healthy, which he should be. He should be well-rested. Uh, I, def- I, I think it's a game changer for Tampa. You put him out there with Evans and that, oh, I mean, it's starting to get scary. I mean, and think about this. What they ran the kind of the old school New England offense. So you have Evans on the outside. You got Chris Godwin in the slot. You know, you had uh, Gronk at tight end. You have OJ, uh, what's his name? OJ, OJ Howard, the other tight end. I mean, Brady's got targets, man. Got targets. I don't, know who's, I don't even know who the running back is in Tampa Bay, but it probably doesn't matter. You know, as long as Brady doesn't doesn't hit the wall this year and can still play, which I'm positive he can, uh, I've given up on doubting him every year. 
uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, for sure. No, I look forward to it. You know, I'm glad Grunt's back. Hopefully, he he went through where he needed to go through as far as leaving the game and everything. Now, I know he's he's kind of promoting you know his CBD stuff and everything, so the league's kind of iffy as far as that right now. But um, you know, I think it's good that he's back in the game for sure. So, uh, speaking of Tampa Bay and Brady, how about Brady uh, coming back to Tampa Bay? You know, getting uh, caught trespassing in a in a park when he's not supposed to be there. Uh, actually going to someone else's home. He's supposed to be going to see one of the coaches. Um, other NFL teams upset that he has such access to, to Tampa Bay coaches when they're supposed to be more quarantined than everybody else. And, um, you know, just different things like that. It just seems like he's making headlines. You know, him and Gronk having their video introducing Gronk coming to Tampa Bay. I thought it was just funny. Oh, I love it. 20 years of being on Belichick lockdown and the man is free. <laughs> you know, he's human. He's not a Terminator. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I think it's great. I, I, I think it's it's hilarious. I mean, he's going to be following this dude all over the place in Florida. So, oh yeah, you know, sure. it, it should be interesting. I, I think the stories coming out are great. Uh, Tampa Bay's obviously this year is Browns. You know, everybody's hyping the Browns last year. Right. I don't think Vegas, Vegas will probably change their odds for Tampa a little bit with Gronk coming on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I like it. I think it's good. No, it's good stuff, man. Good stuff for sure. I look forward to this season. Obviously, you know, they're going to be the, the all eyes on, on on them this season. Now, I wish Hard Knocks would go there because I just want to see everything that's going to happen because there's going to be a circus around this team with who all is coming back to them. But I doubt it's going to happen. But I think that would be interesting. Yeah, you're talking about uh, not. It's hard to call anybody small market in the NFL, but Tampa Bay, which is not the regular team that's on TV every week, like the Redskins, Giants, and Eagles, and Cowboys. But they're going to be that team this year, so we'll see them a lot. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I said it's going to be a show, one way or another. So yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what's going to happen with them. Um, I don't know. You, you see in the in the news that Percy Harvin, you know, former NFL receiver, uh, wants to come back to the NFL. I know he left because of migraines and everything, but you know he's looking to come back and and, and make a run. Do you think he'd come back and you think he could make plays? Well, he's all of a sudden, I guess, found the love for the game again after three years. This guy coming out of Florida was supposed to be the man. He was extremely fast. He had all the talent. He's been a a problem, particularly in Minnesota and some of the places he's been, uh, I think he would have to prove somehow the teams he's healthy. I don't know how much of a demand there's going to be for a 32-year-old speedster because I'm sure he isn't running that any longer. Let's face it, three years out of the game, this dude, there's no way he was training like he needed to to be the elite athlete in the NFL. Uh, You know what? Some guys are Weeks like that, and he might be one of them. So you never know. I think that the that the league is a little bit different now than when it was a few years back. I think he was uh, diagnosed being like bipolar or whatever. So I think they are more cognizant of you know, of mental illness in the league. So I think that could that could be a difference as well, as long as you know they know what's going on, and hopefully he's you know keeping you know if he has medications on. Med- so some of it was the fact that he did smoke weed back in the day and he got in trouble for that uh, previously as well. I think it probably coincided with everything. 
also. But, yeah, it's interesting because he, he's been out for three years. It's hard enough to get to NFL in general, uh, even harder to kind of come off the off the snide and, and show up. So, I don't know. Yeah, and with this coronavirus thing going on, it's going to be hard for him to go into places and talk to people and show him he can play ball. I'm not sure he's even going to get a look, but we'll, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on this. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell, hard to say. Um, overall, though, you know, we, we will see. And I'll be keeping a watch on him for sure. And someone tried to call me, and it kind of threw everything off on for me. I still hear you. You still hear me? I hear you, but I don't yeah. know how you're speak for me. So I'll, I'll try to talk normal on the phone, see if we make it work. So, but yeah, and then I know you had mentioned something before in the pre-show about the Columbus Blue Jackets and the signings they're making and kind of strides they're making for the next year. Yeah, I just want to bring up, you know, hockey's still trying to come back. Uh, the Blue Jackets have showed us some good hockey here the last couple of years. Uh, it's really an expansion franchise. It was really bad, but it has really turned the quarter, corner under this GM and Tortorello. Uh they're exciting to watch. They locked up these two goaltenders that have been playing good, Kupasala and uh, Elvis Mer- Merkelinkis. I-, I have a hard time with some of these names, obviously, but uh, <laughs> they signed that they they're they're going to make about a combined five million dollars. You know, and Junis was just in the All Star right. game, which is half of what Bob's making down in Florida to play terrible for the Florida Panthers. So they've just made all the right moves. Uh, I think them and Ohio probably have the best coach GM combination out there and the way they make an owner combination, like all three are on the same page, do a really good job, spend the money, willing to do what it takes. Like the Indians have a great manager and great front office, but they got an owner that won't spend any money. The Browns are just a catastrophe every year. And until they prove something different, uh, Haslam's got to be the worst owner in the history of sports. Then in the Cavs, you know, the Cavs, Gilbert, he's willing to spend the money, but you know, the NBA is a little weird. You got to have the players and players go where they want. Right. Uh, Mike Brown doesn't want to spend any money. And then the Reds, I don't know what the hell is going on with that franchise. So, you know, a blue jackets really, I think are the model franchise in Ohio right now. And I think they got a bright future. They have all their players locked up here for two years to go on a nice run. So we should be seeing some good good hockey down yeah, the stretch for here. sure. It'll be interesting to see. You know, hopefully they can turn the corner. Hopefully the Reds can turn the corner if they are able to have the season again this year. And I don't know. Hopefully there can be the, – the, hopefully the tide can turn for Ohio sports besides Ohio State. So. <clears throat> yep, the only pro team in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, they probably get paid like pros too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but man – we were running through it, running through it quick, man. So appreciate you coming on. Um, I don't know. Anybody wants to hit us up, hit us up. We're probably going to be looking into getting on to video, probably through my YouTube channel uh, and on Facebook. So that's coming in the future. We'll keep you guys posted on that. You can see our, our ugly faces. So it'll be good. Um, I don't know if you have any questions. Hit us up. Twitter for me, at Franchise1122. At franchise for Dane at Dane at D DeMeo. So should be instant, should be good. Damien, appreciate you coming on.
Yeah, it's always a good time. And just want to say, I know we've been heavy on the sports lately with the draft and everything, but we'll be bringing back some of the shenanigans here soon. We just got to figure That's out what right. we're going to do. That's right. It's coming for sure. We appreciate the patience. We look forward to us coming in the future, man. So. Hey everybody, it's Terrell Cummings. It's your last segment, your favorite segment, Relax and Take Notes. I really don't have much for today. Um, had a good time and enjoyed talking about the NFL draft. I say it was the kind of the, one of the first live events, sporting events that um, we've been able to witness in a while. So I know all the sports fans definitely miss it. Didn't realize how much a part of it was in my life until it was gone. So I am glad that we got to experience it a little bit. Um, hopefully we experience a lot of sports in the near future, but I know there's going to be a, a new normal with our world. And when things come back to what we hope is the old normal, but it probably will never be an old normal. So, um, I guess here's getting used to the new normal. Um, I'm doing it. You all should too. Um, try to embrace it. Let's get through everything that we're going through right now and do what we can to push forward. So, Help your neighbors when possible. Stay inside. Stay in the house. Uh, let's try not to, to spread anything to everybody. Let's keep it to a minimum if possible. And then when we come back, let's be the best people we can be. So until then, appreciate y'all listening to the show. We had a good time. And um, I know that uh, Dane's looking forward to coming back. I am as well. We hope you are also. So until then, we'll see you soon. Later. <laughs>